Today, I want to talk a little bit about, um, the, the title is going to be, Who Do You Trust? And so, in our lives, we have things that go on, and especially whenever tough times come, we always go back to the things that we trust. And so, who do you trust this morning? And so, we're going to be talking about depending on the provision of God. And so, speaking about the provision of God, I heard this story once, and uh, it was about this man, and he had just bought a house, and he had just bought this house, and uh, then he moved in, and so since he just bought this house, he's really just slap out of money, okay? He bought this house, and now he's, the well is dry, okay? So he moves in, and so since the well is dry, he's, he's wondering where his food is going to come from, okay? He don't even have money to buy groceries, and so he looks up to God, and he says, Lord, you know what? I'm, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to depend on your provision, and I just pray that you're going to provide. And about that time, he hears a knock on the door, and it's his neighbor. And his neighbor, he opens the door, and she says, Hey, I saw that you just moved in, and uh, I just brought you a little care package. And she had two arms full of groceries. She said, This is just, you know, me welcoming, welcoming you to the community. And uh, he said, Thank you so much. And he closed the door, and he, he put the groceries down, and then he looks up at God, and he says, Never mind, God, my neighbor took care of me. <laughs> so, although that's funny, it, it does kind of speak to the fact that in our lives, we've kind of become desensitized to the fact that we don't depend on the provision of God anymore. And we're going to talk about the Israelites, and if you will, turn with me to Exodus chapter 16. So, just to give you a little backstory, before this passage came, uh, the Israelites, we know the story of how God called Moses to lead them out of Egypt, and so they lead Egypt, and they just experienced the miracle at the Red Sea where, you know, Pharaoh and the Egyptians are chasing them, and God parts the water, and they go through on dry land, and then right before this, the chapter before, the miracle at Marah happens, where they're at Marah, and they don't have anything to drink because the river there is bitter. And so God shows them a tree, and he says, cut the tree down and throw it in the water. And then they cut the tree down and threw it in the water, and the Bible says that the water was sweet. So it was purified so that they could drink it. So they had just experienced these huge, awesome miracles. And, you know, I kind of like to think that if I walked up to a river and God parted it both ways, and I walked through on dry land, that I'd be, you know, I'd be on cloud nine, I would imagine. I'd be ready to run through a brick wall, but... That's not what happened. So let's see what happened. Exodus 16, chapter 16, verse 1, it says, The entire Israelite community departed from Elim and came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had left the land of Egypt. The entire community grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hands in the land of Egypt when we sat by pots sat by pots of meat and ate all the bread that we wanted. Instead, you brought us into this wilderness to make this whole assembly die of hunger. So I want you to get this, and I want you to understand that these people had decided in their hearts that they would rather be slaves than to depend on the provision of God. And they had just come through these two awesome miracles God had provided and provided, and although he had kept doing it, they for some reason didn't think that he could do it again. And so they came to the realization, you know what, I think we were better off in Egypt. I think we were better off in slavery than to have to depend on God. 
And, you know, we can kind of expect that from the Israelites because they were knuckleheads. But the truth is that happens with us in the church. And we decide that, you know what, I really can't depend on the provision of God. I'm going to go through all these different, you know, do all these different things, do everything I can, and I'm going to say I trust God, but really when the rubber meets the road, I don't feel like I can trust God. So what do you do whenever you don't feel like you can depend on the provision of God? What do you feel like, what do you do whenever you feel like you can't trust God and you don't feel like He can provide? Well, most of the time what we do is we try to do it ourselves. And so then, let's keep reading and see what happens. And the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. The people are going to go out each day and gather enough for that day. This way I will test them to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to the Israelites, This evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the Lord's glory because he has heard your complaints about him. For who are we that you complain about us? So God's performing another miracle. Moses continued, The Lord will give you meat to eat this evening and all the bread you want in the morning, for he has heard the complaints that you're raising against him. Who are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. As Aaron was speaking to the entire Israelite community, they turned toward the wilderness, and there in the cloud, the Lord's glory appeared. The Lord spoke to Moses, I have heard the complaints of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will eat bread until you are full. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. So at evening quail came and covered the camp. In the morning there was a layer of dew all around the camp. When the layer of dew evaporated, there was fine flakes on the desert surface, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they asked each other, What is this? Because they didn't know what it was. Moses told them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather as much as is needed for that person to eat. You may take two quarts per individual according to the number of people each of you has in his tent. So God's performed this miracle, and now he's laying out the groundwork. He says, this is how you're going to do it. So the Israelites did this. Some gathered a lot, some gathered a little. When they measured it by quarts, the person who had gathered a lot had no surplus, and the person who gathered a little had no shortage. Each gathered as much as he needed to eat. Moses said to them, no one is to let any of it remain until morning. But they didn't listen to Moses. Some people left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and stank. Therefore, Moses was angry with them. So this is what happened. God performs this miracle, and he provides as he keeps doing time and time again. And he says, you can only get enough for today. And so why did he tell them you can only get enough for today? He's trying to train them to depend on the provision of God. He's trying to train them that when you wake up, your mercies are new every morning, and I've given you enough grace for today. i provided for today, so don't worry about tomorrow because we'll get there. And so he gives them this parameter of how they're supposed to walk in this miracle that he's provided. And what do they do? They decide, you know... I'm glad that God provided for me today, but how can I trust that he's going to provide for me tomorrow? So I'm going to have to just stock up as much as I can get, and the rest of it I'll eat tomorrow. And what happened when they woke up? There was worms in it, and it stank, and they couldn't eat it. And too many times in our lives, we keep trying to, when God provides, for some reason, even though he keeps doing it time and time again, we don't believe he can do it again. And so we try to stack up enough for tomorrow, and we wake up, it has worms in it. 
And it stinks and we can't eat it because we're not doing it the way God designed. We're not doing it the way that God chose because he wants to teach us to depend on his provision. So isn't that just like us? When we say that we believe God can make a way for us, we really don't feel like we can depend on the provision of God. He comes through. Some people still just have trust in that he will. Okay, so we're going to go into three reasons why people depend on things other than God. Whether it's yourself or whatever you depend on, we're going to go into three reasons. The first reason is you've chosen an idol. See, whenever I decide that I'm going to depend on something that's not God, I've exalted that before the knowledge of God, and that's an idol. An idol is not something that I bow down and worship to, although it can be. An idol is anything in my life that I've exalted above God. And so when in your life, whenever bad things come, whenever tough times come, whenever storms come, what do you go to? Because whatever it is, that's your idol that you've chosen. And the thing that you continue to depend on that's got a hold on you, that's your idol. And you try to get away from it, but at the end of the day, that's why addiction is so hard to break because whether it's alcohol or drugs or whatever, whenever tough times come in my life, where do I go? I go back to the thing that I'm comfortable with, right? I go back to the idol that I've chosen because in my heart, I've already put that above God. And so whenever tough times come in my life, I'm always going to go back to that idol. And number two is we trust what we can see. And so let's go back to verse 2, 16 and verse 2. So we trust what we can see. The entire Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The, land, the Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hands in the land of Egypt when we sat by pots of meat and ate all the bread that we wanted. Instead, you brought us into this wilderness to make this whole assembly die of hunger. So, whenever they went through this tough time, they decided their brains automatically went back to what they had already seen. Their brains automatically went back to what their eyes have seen and what they've already experienced. Although it was terrible, although they were getting whipped and beaten and they were slaves and they couldn't do what they wanted to do, it was familiar. And familiarity is what kills your faith in God. It's what kills your faith in the provision of God. Because whenever those times come, I just want to go back to what I knew. I know that alcohol really didn't solve any problems, but it made me feel better. It didn't the next day, but although I knew that that wasn't working, that's what's familiar with me. That's what's familiar to me, so I want to go back to what I can see. And it doesn't have to be necessarily bad, alcohol, drugs, whatever. Finances, okay, that's something that God blessed you with, but he never called you to depend on it. It was always God's to begin with. And so that's why he told them, you have to get just enough for today because he's trying to train them. And in this story, he's trying to train us how to depend on the provision of God. And thirdly, you identify with it. And I didn't even know this, but um, if you go into an AA meeting, okay, let's say you've, you've been in there for a while. The first thing I have to say is, hey, I'm Kirkland. I'm an alcoholic, and I've been sober for... Seven years, okay? And that's what you have to say whenever you sit down at this meeting. You can't say, I was an alcoholic. Uh, God delivered me from alcoholism. You have to say, I am an alcoholic. So they teach you to identify with it. And so the thing that you always come back to and the thing that you always trust in, the thing that you trust that will provide, you've identified with it. And whatever you depend on, you become a slave to. And so anything in your life that you've chosen to depend on, you're a slave to it. See, they really weren't a slave to the Egyptians. They were a slave to Egypt. They were a slave to that mindset. And even though God called them out, and even though God freed them, 
they still weren't really free. They were walking around still in bondage of Egypt because every time a bad time came and every time storms came, they went back to slavery. And they decided, you know what? I'd rather be a slave. At least I knew where my meals were coming from. At least, you know, it was terrible, but it's familiar. And so I'm trusting what I'm seeing, and I'm going back to what's familiar. And I've identified with it. They identified with the slavery. And so we identify with things that are not God. And so then whenever storms come in our life, that's what we go back to. Because whatever you depend on in your life, you've become a slave to. And like I said, it doesn't necessarily have to be bad things. It doesn't have to be sinful things. It can be things that God's given you. It can be things that God's blessed you with. But that's not what he calls us to provide. That's not what he calls us to depend on to provide. And that's why some people have trouble paying tithes. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 9 and 6. Some people have trouble paying tithes because God made me a promise, but I, I can't depend on the promise. Let's see what it says. The point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion since God loves a cheerful giver. And this is the promise. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, he distributed freely, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way. For all generosity, which provides thanksgiving to God through us. So God's promise to you is that he always gives seed to the sower. And as long as you keep sowing, he'll keep giving seed. And so that tells me that in your life, you know, we all face financial struggles. But if your entire life you haven't been able to break that barrier and you've been living in financial bondage your whole life, you need to ask yourself, what do you do with the seed when he gives it to you? Are you sowing it? Because his promise is he always gives seed to the sower. And that's just one of the many ways in the Bible that God promises provision for us. But we, we, we can't trust it. And we tell people, hey, you know, we tell people we trust in God. You know, I believe in God, but do you really trust him? Can you depend on the provision of God? Or whenever God blesses you, you try to stack up enough for tomorrow and realize that that's not how God intended it. Let's go to Luke 12 and 22. Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or about the body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They don't have a storeroom or a barn, yet God feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than birds? Can any of you add one moment to your life by worrying? If then you're not able to do even a little thing like this, then why worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin thread, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass which is in the field today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, how much more will he do for you, you of little faith? Don't strive for what you should eat and what you should drink, and don't be anxious. For the Gentile would eagerly seek all these things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek ye first his kingdom, and all these things will be provided unto you. We already know that scripture. But do you know what comes before it? Because that's God's promise over your life. See, ravens, they don't have to stack up food in barns. They know, they know where their meals come from. They know who they depend on. They don't have to stack up and try to do it themselves because they know that 
God's provided for me, and how much worth more are you to God than ravens? And so every day you wake up, and God's already provided enough for that day, and you just have to walk in it. That's all you have to do. But too many times we decide, I really don't feel like I can stand on the promises of God. And we have to stop worrying about things that we can't control, because God's already made that promise over our life. God's already promised, hey, I will provide for you. All you have to do is walk out what I've called you to do, and I'm going to provide. Stop trying to do it yourself. Stop trying to go to all these other resources because I've already made the promise to you. So David says this way about God's provision. He says, I've been young, and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. That's God's promise. That's God's promise over your life, okay? And Paul says it this way. And the same God, this is Philippians 4:19, the same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. And so that's God's promise over your life and you would think when he writes an awesome scripture like that that you know God probably just got done blessing his socks off, right? No, he wrote that from prison. He was in, in prison for sharing his faith and while he's in prison he's still writing to the church, telling them the promises of God. And so he didn't allow his current situation to blind him from the provision of God. He didn't allow what he'd seen to stop him from believing that God would do it because he's already done it time and time again. And so like Paul, we have to decide in our life, although it might not look good in this moment, I still depend on the provision of God. I still believe that he made me a promise and I'm going to possess that promise. And he didn't allow his circumstances to make him doubt that God would come through on his promise. And so go to Isaiah 43 and 1. And this group of Israelites that we're talking about, this is God's promise to them. So God had already made them a promise. And this is God's promise also to you. It says, now this is what the Lord says, the one who created you, Jacob, and the one who formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name, and you are mine. I will be with you when you pass through the waters and when you pass through the rivers. They will not overwhelm you. You will be scorched, you will walk through the fire, and the flames will not burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, and your Savior. I have given Egypt as a ransom for you, Cuba and Cush and Seba in your place. So that's God's promise to Israel, and that's God's promise to you. Okay, And these Israelites, God had already promised them that. That's in the Old Testament. They already had that promise, but they weren't walking in the promises of God. And although God had blessed them time and time again, he raised up Moses to go to Pharaoh, let my people go, and then God walks them into the wilderness and takes them through the Red Sea, and they throw a tree in the water and it's purified so they can drink it. And all these things, God has ordered their steps every day of their life and provided every day of their life, just like he does for us. Yet, whenever tough times came, they still couldn't depend on the provision of God. And that's a lot like us, guys. Although God's provided time and time again every day of our lives, we still find ourselves doubting, you know what, can he really do it again? And then go to Joshua 23 and 9. And this is the same group of people. This is years down the road. And so Joshua's getting ready to give his farewell. He's getting ready, you know, after Moses passed away and Joshua gave him you know, leadership over Israel. He's about to pass away, and this is his farewell speech. The Lord has driven out great and powerful nations before you, and no one is able to stand against you to this day. 
One of you routed a, one of you routed a thousand because the Lord your God was fighting for you as he promised. So diligently watch over yourselves. Love the Lord your God. If you ever turn away and become loyal to the rest of these nations remaining among you, and if you intermarry or associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will not continue to drive these nations out before you. They will become a snare and a trap for you, a sharp stick for your side and thorns in your eyes until you disappear from this good land the Lord your God has given you. I am now going away. I'm now going the way of the whole earth, and you know with all your heart and all your soul that none of the good promises the Lord your God made you has ever failed. Everything was fulfilled for you. Not one promise has failed. Not one promise that God has made over your life has failed. Did you know that not only does God not lie, but he's literally incapable of lying? He doesn't know how to lie. It's not in his nature. And so everything that he's promised you, whether it's in his word or through the Holy Spirit, he's spoken that over you. That's a promise that God made. And if God makes a promise to you, he can take it to the bank. You can take it to the bank. And so one of God's many promises is that I will provide for you. And that's the same promise he made for Israel. And they knew that God could do it. They knew that God had done it time and time again because they've seen it. And just like us, we've seen the miracles of God. We've seen the provision of God. But we find ourselves doubting. We find ourselves not trusting. We find ourselves trying to do it ourselves like the Israelites did. You know what? Let me get enough for tomorrow. Why don't I just stack up? I know God, this isn't how God told me to do it, but let me just stack up because I really don't believe that when I wake up the next morning that God's already provided for me. And so in our lives... We do it all these different ways. We go through all these different avenues and resources, but really when it boils down to it, we just haven't become accustomed to depending on the provision of God. And so, I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but this same group of people, and Joshua, like we were just talking about, this is a little bit before that, but they've already come through the Red Sea, the miracle at Mara, and they've already come through the passage in our story. And so then... They finally get to Canaan. And so Moses sends out 12 spies into the land to scout out Canaan. And so two of them were Caleb and Joshua, and then the other 10 weren't named. But Moses sent out these 12 spies into Canaan, and they all saw the same thing. They saw, the Bible says it was a land flowing with milk and honey. The Bible says there was good soil for them to plant crops. There was fruit everywhere. I mean, it was just a plentiful and bountiful land that God had promised them. And although all 12 of them saw the same thing, two of them came back with a different report. Caleb and Joshua, well, first we'll go to the other 10. The other 10 said, there's giants in the land. And they said that we look like grasshoppers compared to them. I know that this is what God promised us, but, you know, I looked at it and it can't happen. I looked at it and there's giants in the land, so we can't have it. And, you know, there is... You know, it's flowing with milk and honey, and there's good soil, and we can grow whatever we want to, and, you know, it is the land that God promised us, but there's giants in the land. And then the other two, Caleb and Joshua, they said, okay, yeah, there is giants in the land, but all I know is this this is what God promised me. All I know is that whenever God makes me a promise, I can stand on it. All I know is that whenever whenever God says, this is what I have for you, this is what I've promised you, it doesn't matter what it looks like, it doesn't matter what it sounds like, He will provide. And so if all 12 of them saw the same thing, how come two of them had a different report? It's because two of them were standing on the promises of God. It's because two of them trusted, you know what, I believe that God will do what he said he's going to do because I've seen him do it time and time again. 
And all I can do is judge by what I've experienced. And what I've experienced is God has never failed me. He hasn't failed on one promise yet, like Isaiah said. He hasn't failed on one promise that he made me in my entire life. And so what has God promised you? Maybe he promised you that 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 child of yours that has went wayward, that one day he would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And you used to pray every day, but somewhere along the way, you stopped praying and you stopped believing. Well, God wants you to possess that promise. And whatever that is, you know, whether God's promised that I'm going to break that addiction off your life and you prayed and you believed God, but you couldn't shake it. And so somewhere along the way, you stopped believing that God can do it. Well, God wants you to possess that promise in your life. Whatever God's promised you, God wants you to possess it. Because if he makes a promise, he has not failed on one promise that he's ever made, not just to you, but to the Israelites, to me, and to everybody who's ever lived. Any promise that he's ever made, any word that he's ever spoken has not failed. And so maybe God told you that you'd have healing in your mind, healing in your body. And you used to pray every day, and eventually you just got to the point where, I guess this is just how it's going to be. Well, it doesn't have to be. And, yeah, I'll be, one day I'll be in heaven, and I'll be healed, and I'll have victory. Well, God wants you to have victory right now. God wants you to have victory every day of your life. But you have to get out of the mindset of, I have to do it myself because God's not going to do it. God's already provided it for you. All you have to do is walk in it. And you don't have to wait till you get to heaven to have victory because God wants you to have that right now. Every day he wants you to walk in the provision that he's already laid out. And he's already, he's already done the work, guys. He's already done the work. He's already won the battle. All we have to do is walk in it. All we have to do is trust that God made me a promise and he said he's going to provide, so I trust that he'll provide. And so if we'll pull up No You Will, there's a song. Maybe you've heard it. It's No You Will by Hill Song. But... um it really just speaks to me and it speaks to everything that I feel like God's trying to say this morning. This is what the chorus says. I don't know how you'll make a way, but I know you will. I don't know how you'll make a way, but I know you will. And this is the bridge. You've been good on every promise from Eden to Zion and every day and out of that grave. Every dead and out of that grave. I don't know how you'll make a way, but I know you will. Guys, whatever's going on in your life, I don't know how he's going to make a way, but I know he will. And the reason that I know he will is because he's been good on every promise from Eden to Zion. Not just every promise that he's made to you, but every promise that he's ever spoken over anybody. And I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know how he'll provide. There's been a lot of times in my life where I really didn't know how he was going to do it, but I look back and I'm going to tell you he did it. And everything that I've ever been through, he hasn't failed on one promise that he's ever made me. And he's been good on every promise from Eden to Zion. And every dead and out of that grave. And so you have to come to the place in your life and your walk with Christ. You know what? I'm going to depend on the provision of God. I'm going to just walk in what he's already done. I don't have to do the work. I don't have to go to anything else. I don't have to try to do it myself. I don't have to do anything else but simply walk in the provision that God's already laid out for me. All I have to do is walk in it. All I have to do is trust in it. And you have to come to the place in your walk with God where you can depend on the provision of God. God already promised it. Try, stop trying to save up enough for tomorrow because when you wake up tomorrow, it's going to have worms in it. Okay? <laughs> and it's going to stink and you can't eat it anyway. And that's what happens when I try to do it is that it doesn't even work. I did all this work and there's worms in it and it stinks and I can't eat it. It's so much easier just doing it God's way. It's so much easier just trusting the provision of God, standing on the promises of God. It's so much easier just walking in the work that he's already done. 
Why would I try to do it myself or try to go to anywhere else for somebody else to do it when God's already done it? He's already provided. He's already promised that every day when I wake up, he's provided everything that I need. So why would I go anywhere else? Why would I try to do it myself? Why would I try to go to what I'm familiar to like the Israelites? Why would I? They decided they would rather be slaves than to depend on the provision of God. Can you just think about that? And although that sounds crazy, I believe that we do that every single day. We go back to what's familiar. We go back to the way that it's always been, and we know that it isn't working, but at least it's familiar. At least I've already done it. At least I've already tried it. I know it makes me miserable, but it's familiar to me. And that's because you've made that an idol in your life. And so right now, I believe God is breaking some idols down. And he's showing you in your heart that he wants to be, all you have to do is just depend on me. Stop depending on anything else because those things always fail, yet God has never failed. He has a 100% success rate. He's never failed. Not one promise he's ever made, not one battle he's ever fought. As a matter of fact, not only will he done it, do it, but he's already done it. He's already won the battle. And we know that in his word. We've read the back of the book. We know how it ends. And God made the promise to you, I will provide every day. When you wake up, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to go anywhere else. All you have to do is just simply walk on the provision that I've already laid out for you. And so in our lives, I believe that, that God wants to show us that I've already done it. I've already done the work. I've already laid it out for you. And you keep trying to do it yourself. And you keep trying to stack up enough for tomorrow and you keep trying to do it your way and you keep trying to go through all these different things and you keep trying to go back to what you're familiar to and God's saying, just take your hands off of it. I've already done it. I just need you to walk in it. I've already made the provision. I just need you to stand on the promises that I've made. I need you to walk in the provision that I've already made for you. Will you stand? Guys, I know that I don't know what situation you're in this morning. I don't know, you know, what you've been praying for God about. I don't, to God about. I don't know what's going on in your life, what battle you're facing, what storm you're facing. And honestly, I don't know how He will, but I know He will because He's made good on every promise. And all I can tell you is the promises that He's made good on for me. He told me at a young age, I promise you that I'm going to make you a pastor. And I promise you that I'm going to hold your hand every step of the way. And of course, you know, I'm like, there ain't no way. You couldn't ask anybody else. Not that it's not what I love to do, but it's terrifying, honestly. And God said, all you got to do is, it's not about you anyway. I just need you to walk out the provision that I've already made. And just a short story. Um, you know, I was 16 and I started doing ministry and I was facing all this doubt. And, um, you know, it started off small. I would just walk off the stage, you know, not too keen on the message that I preached. And then it got so big to where, you know, the devil totally stole the joy out of what, doing what God called me to do. And a little bit later, I went on a mission trip to Costa Rica. And our mission team leader, he knew that I preached. So he said, um, he said, I'm going to give you opportunities to preach in Costa Rica. And I was like, thanks, but no thanks. You know, I have a hard time preaching in America. I don't need to preach in Costa Rica. And so I told him no. And I probably said something spiritual like, you know, that's, I don't feel like that's God's will. I prayed about it. And he said no. I don't remember what I said. But all I know is that I chickened out. And all I know is I didn't trust the promise that God made me. And so fast forward. We're in the middle of the week. 
And, um, you know, it was, a, it was a tough mission trip. It was go, go, go the whole time. And one day we got done early. And so everybody laid down to take a nap. And uh, I got in my bed and I laid down and I was half asleep. And God said, I want you to preach. You know, sometimes you just, you just sit there and wait for him to change his mind. <laughs> it never works. I've tried it a lot of times and it never works. He didn't change his mind. And he said, I want you to preach. So I just start digging through stuff that I had, you know, in my tablet, digging through stuff that I had wrote down. And he took me to this message that I had made months ago that I knew was going to be for something different. Anyway, I go to our team later and I say, look, I don't know how, when, where, or why, but God wants me to preach. And he said, well, we're going to a prison tomorrow. I'm like, thanks, God. You got me preaching in Costa Rica. Now you got me preaching in a Costa Rican prison. I mean, this is just... You can't make this stuff up. And so we go, and, you know, they do the worship, and I get up there to preach. And I, don't, I couldn't have been 17, 18, I don't know. And um, I was so nervous that I read the wrong scripture like eight times. Of course, they didn't know it because my interpreter had not. I was like, don't read that. That's not the right one. Let me find it. And so I just sat there. I was so nervous I couldn't even read the right scripture. And... Um, and I look over, and our team leader's like, chill out. And so then I take a breath, and I just start saying what God told me to say. And that day, 15 prisoners got saved. And it wasn't, it wasn't anything significant about my message or anything significant about me. It was God showing me it was never about you in the first place. You didn't have anything to do with it. I'd already provided. I'd already made the promise. All you had to do was walk in it. And you keep, you know, the reason I was facing doubt is because I was trusting in myself, kind of like the Israelites. I didn't believe that God could do it. I said I did, but deep down I kept trying to take it back. And we keep trying to take back and do it ourselves. And God's saying, I've already done the work. I've already made the provision. I don't need you to do anything except walk in the provision that I've already made. Just stand on the promise that I've already made you. Because I promise that every day I will provide. And you can keep going to all these other things. And you can keep trying to do it yourself, but it's not going to work. And I've already made the promise. I just need you to walk in it. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for... Um, God, we thank you for this story in your word that you can show us that... You know what? When you make us promises, we can take it to the bank. And God, we thank you that every promise that you've spoken over our lives... God, not one has failed. God, we thank you that every day, just like David said, that I've been young and I've been old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And I've never seen their children begging for bread. God, we thank you for that. We thank you for everything that you've ever spoken to. It's not one word has hit the ground, but everything has come to pass. God, we thank you that you've ordered our steps every day of our lives. God, that you've provided. And even though sometimes it's tough and we don't know how you do it, but, God, we know you will because you've done it time and time again. So, God, we thank you for that. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that every day, God, your mercies are new and you give me what I need. If, you just, if I just trust in you, God, you've already done the work. You've already provided for it. And, God, we, we thank you for that. We thank you for your promise. I pray that you would help us just to stand on your promises this morning. God, we pray that you would give us faith in what you've spoken over our lives and that we would stand on it. 
we would have faith in it and we'd stop going to all these other resources, stop trying to do it all these other ways and stop trying to do it ourselves, God, but we would just accept the provision that you've already made and walk in that. And then we pray, amen.